we are told often to fake it till you make it and i feel like that's one of the worst advice that you can give anybody because when you say that if you have questions you don't ask them because you keep thinking that you should be knowing this so you should be projecting this idea that you already know this and i think that holds people back a lot from vermont center for emerging technologies it's start here a podcast sharing the stories of active aspiring and accidental entrepreneurs Today we sit down with Akshata Nayak, a biochemist turned nutritionist turned founder who started The Orange Owl, a rapidly growing Vermont-based vegan skincare company. Welcome, this is Sam Roach-Gerber and Dave Bradbury, recording from the Consolidated Communications Technology Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Hello, Akshata. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. I was just saying before we started recording, but it it needs to be repeated that you were one of our all-time favorite female founder speakers when you came <laughs> Seriously uh, to upvoted. Hotel Vermont. Yeah, totally upvoted. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so we, of course, Dave and I are like, we got to get her for the podcast. So we're, <laughs> we're so psyched that you're here. Oh, thank you. Um, but for folks that, you know, I was like, Dave and I are spoiled with your story, but there's so many folks out there that probably don't know about um, the Orange Owl. So why don't you start by just telling us what it is and why you started it? Yeah, the um, Orange Owl is... Um, a vegan skincare company. I started it 2010-2011 is um, when things got serious. I had a name, um, a logo was coming together, all those things were happening around that time. Um, So it's been a while now um, and like I said I've lost a few brain cells since we last talked. Um, I've had a baby and so things have been a little crazy for the last year and a half. Uh, But yeah the reason I started it was Basically, trying to find um, vegan and sustainably made products um, that didn't have a whole list of um, harmful chemicals in them. And I'm a biochemist um, in my background, and so I can't say that all chemicals are bad for you. There are chemicals in every single thing we do, touch, feel, smell, everything. Um, But there are certain that um, there is some information out there that people can react to. And so my question was, can I make products that feel the same, that provide the same um, service, but don't have those ingredients in them? And um, so that's where my biochemistry came really handy. Um, And then the nutrition aspect of it fit in as well really nicely, just for the number of people I see um, one-on-one and for the concerns that they have um, skincare-wise and um, skin issues and things like that, um, sensitivities, allergies, and so all of that fit in really well, and that's how the Orange Owl happened. That's awesome. You and your husband operated another business, Alternative Roots Wellness in in Essex Junction, so that started first, is that correct? Um, No, we started both at the same time. Oh, Um, because that's a recipe for success. Yeah, absolutely. What you should do for anyone thinking about business school or getting into business, what you should do is move to a state where you know nobody and start two businesses. Uh, That's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, at, at the exact same time, during mud season, it. probably. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> it started taking off around mud season, but for the first few months, we were literally just picking up our phone and checking if it was still working or if it had been disconnected, or because you know we weren't really getting calls since we didn't know anybody in the community, and so it took a lot of effort and going out and outreach. Um, to actually start getting referrals and then for the Orange Owl, just going out there, meeting buyers, doing that kind of stuff. But 
Vermont has been extremely welcoming, so we can't we can't complain much. It doesn't surprise me that mud seasons when the phone started ringing. My wife just the other day is like, you know, we come out of our clothes like these like translucent worms, <laughs> and we start thinking about our skin again. So, yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's so true. And so one of the things that you had mentioned really stuck out to me, and it's been something that I've has kind of interested me is I, I feel like I pick up like the most simple product on the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. And like this has to be a simple product. And I look on the back and there's 25 ingredients. Yeah. And I'm like, how, why? Like yeah. this is such a simple thing. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about sort of how your background in biochemistry sort of impacted your products and how that's reflected in, in what we see and when we pick up one of your products and sort of the ingredients listed on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny that we're sitting in a room with a Breaking Bad poster back there, but that's kind of what I look like in my office sometimes <laughs> when I'm when I'm creating um, recipes or, you know, formulating things because in being in a room with essential oils after a while, you just can't smell anything. That's as simple as is that and especially through pregnancy I needed one of those masks because otherwise I would have been gagging for like <laughs> nine months um, so yeah um, the biochemistry really helped um, just for knowing um, I'd worked with a lot of these um, ingredients before in my lab at different concentrations definitely but I had worked with them and there were all these safety data sheets that we had to follow and things like that so I had some idea of what these Um, some of these ingredients were capable of in the right dosage, I guess. Um, And so that was something that always stuck with me. Um, And, you know, if you look at what if so if you are somebody who used maybe one product or two products, then maybe it doesn't make as much of a difference. My concern was mostly that, you know, if you're looking at something um, that's a laurel sulfate, for example, if it's in one product, two products, whatever, but when you end up using multiple products that has that in it, then can it have an accumulative effect? And so is there a lot of information out there about that? Not always, because you can't predict the type of products everyone is going to use, right? right? And so, yeah, all the products have these ingredients in them up to a certain level that is allowed by federal regulations. All of that is very true. But when you start using multiple products, you know, the laurel sulfate, it's in your toothpaste, it's in your soap, it's in your dish detergent, it's in your laundry detergent, it's in all of these things. So when you're using all of these products every single day, what is the little bit within the safety standard that's there in each and every one of them? Is that affecting you in mm-hmm. any way? That was the question that I had. See, I've never even, that but, has not ever crossed my yeah, mind. Yeah, because, right, you, you, you don't contemplate the stacking of different yeah, products. Yeah, yeah, so and you know, there's also, I'm, I'm not sure if there really is information or whether it really makes a huge difference, but just knowing that beyond a certain point, that isn't the best ingredient to have around you, that was just a question I had. And so I said, OK, if, if I can't answer that, what if we just take it out? Can I still make a product that works just as well? And if it does, then wouldn't it be better just to be on the safer side? Right. Like that kind of an idea. So a lot of the extra ingredients usually around some sort of filler or some preservative yeah. that's added to, to extend shelf life. And, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Is, is that we just sort of, I mean, it's really tough to make something simple. Yeah, it it really is. Because then again, it is shelf life, you know, preservatives and things like that. And all of those have, um, have been created or come into being for very 
specific purposes. It's not that they're useless. It's just, again, like I said, multiple different products having the same ingredients. What can that do? Um, so it's not that they're all bad all the time. It's just how much of it you're using. And um, so, yeah, it is fillers, um, depending on the nutrition side of it. For me, fillers would be for um, in supplements. You know, what are the capsules made of? What are the tablets made of? Those are fillers. Are they really needed? What are the simplest things you can use to still make that capsule or still make that tablet for the supplements, especially given that they're not regulated in any way? And how long did it take for you to figure out your product line? Like the, oh. the iteration, <laughs> the experimentation? Yeah, it it's um, coming up with a base recipe takes a while. It takes a, a few months um, and a few months of working at it all the time. It's not just like little bits here and there. When it's your own business, you take it home with you, whether you want to or not. It's always running at the back of your mind. And so it, it takes a few months to come up with an idea, then to find the recipe, finalize it, test it out, you know, find unsuspecting people um, who are willing to test things out for you. You know, I'm, I'm running out of my list of people very quickly because they're like, now what do you have? And um, so, you know, trying to do that. And after that comes the harder part of the design, finding people to do the packaging, you know, labeling. And so I know a lot of skincare companies that put out seasonal products and I don't do that or I, I prefer not to do that because there's so much that goes behind a product that just making something for a couple of months, it's, that's too much investment for me. Yeah. Sense. For me, it isn't. I know it works for others. So it is a, it is a crowded space, skin, oh, yeah. skincare. And, and how, did, how do you stay competitive? I mean, did you make this vegan category? I made the vegan category because um, when I was working in research, um, I was in research for, if you take my grad school and um, work, I was in the lab for about six, six years. And all of it had to do with animal research. They were all animal models um, for various different purposes, immunology, neurobiology, inflammation, a lot of different things. And um, I just wasn't a fan of how all of that was handled usually. Um, and so that it really affected me. I used to come home and like cry every any time I had to do any of these experiments and things like that. It used mm. to really affect me. And so I wanted to make sure that whatever I did when I started this thinking about this company, I just knew that I couldn't do that. Um, and so that's how the vegan um, aspect of it came about. And I think it's needed when you think about sustainability and stuff. If I'm talking about eco-friendly, I'm talking about sustainability. You have to think about um, the animal testing aspect of it as well. And so I, I thought that that went in pretty, pretty good with that. Um, but yeah, to stay, stay competitive, um, I, I thought that in terms of my products, um, my scents are unique. Um, and that's on purpose. You can go out and buy anything with lavender. But when you use lavender as one of the scents and add in other things with it, that helps. Um, just makes it stand out a little bit more on the shelves. Um, your packaging has to be attractive. It is really funny that I started bar soaps were my first product. And so I made it. I had this packaging, which 
was extremely tedious. It was like wrapping a Christmas gift, each and every one of them, because <laughs> it was basically a wrapper that you had to wrap around the soap. And when you're trying to do that again and again and again and again and then again, it gets really tedious. And so I found these boxes I could put it in. And just that switch suddenly made them the most popular stocking stuffer at a show. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, packaging makes a huge difference. I have a great designer that works with me. I've had great support overall for my designing um, and packaging. So that that helps. Um, and then being a nutritionist, most of my sense are food and beverage oriented. That always helps. <laughs> I love that. It's, yeah, like good enough to eat. So. Yeah, exactly. I think, too, one of the sort of threads that I'm seeing with your business is that you it's almost like you didn't have a choice because you're doing it alone it's like what is the easiest way to do this you yeah. know and what's like it's like lean manufacturing and yeah. it's best right yeah. like yeah. Yeah. you know wrapping each individual one okay this is not sustainable right yeah. okay seasonal products not sustainable like yeah. what can i do to keep yeah. this moving which i think is is just really cool yeah um so you talked about sort of getting started getting your logo getting all that stuff together developing your products what was the hard, and we'll get into the scaling part in a second, but what was the hardest part of like getting started, getting your products into stores and starting to like see it places? Um, I think it was, and this is something I'm still working on, the fear of rejection yeah. of just, you know, approaching people and saying like, hey, I have this. What do you think about it? Um, it might, for a lot of people, that's not difficult and more power to them. For me, it is extremely hard to do that and it's something that I've been working on and I've improved um, gotten a bit of a you know a thicker skin um, but um, at, at the time that was the most difficult for me was I had this product everyone kept you know friends family kept telling me it was awesome uh, but then how much are they just trying to you know make me feel good versus going out to somebody right. I don't know at all and giving them this product and then seeing um, how they feel about it. And the first one of the first stores I approached, there were two. One was um, Sweet Clover in Essex and the other one was Healthy Living. And I remember giving my product to them and I kind of like hid around and waited to see if they would open it right then. Just, I mean, <laughs> how can you not, right? Yeah. And I remember the buyer at Healthy Living at that point of time, she like opened it and she smelled it. It was my body butter and her face lit up. And I don't think I'll ever forget that that moment because I was just hanging out there going like, is she looking? And <laughs> and she did. And that just that look on her face. And I was like, I can do this. Yeah. You know, it was the same thing with just meeting the buyer at Sweet Clover and, you know, giving them the product and them telling, yeah, this actually looks really nice. Why don't you, you know, like no hesitancy, bring us a few and we'll see what happens. And it, that was just amazing. That's why I said Vermont has been very welcoming to us um, for both our businesses. And so, yeah, I, I think that helped. Yeah, I, I'm so glad to hear that. That's awesome. But I, and this is like totally selfish question right now, but I'm working with an entrepreneur that has a product that she's trying to get into stores. And I was going to ask you, how do you approach that? So a, a totally new store that doesn't know your product, what does your process look like? Um, usually before it, I used to try emails and things like that or calls and, you know, to be honest, the people who are there, aren't, the buyers aren't really trying to be exclusive or they're not trying to be that in, you know, what they, they just get a lot of calls and a lot of emails. And so I realized that going face to face was just that that made a big difference. Um, it did for me. Um, again, like I said, I, I have no sales background. I have no business background. And so this is just what worked for me. Maybe there are other ways of doing it. But um, for me, the main thing was just meeting the people who are in, in charge of certain decisions um, and, and seeing where it goes from there. And a lot of times, um, 
you know, it's we're told often to fake it till you make it. And I feel like that's one of the worst advice advice that you can give anybody, because when you say that, if you have questions, you don't ask them because you keep thinking that you should be knowing this or you should be projecting this idea that you already know this. Mm -hmm. And I think that holds people back a lot. And so in the beginning, that's what I was trying to do. I would go to like these big conferences and, you know, I've done like the product expos, um, which are the biggest in the country, I've done that. And you are there and there are 1200 other booths, right? And you're trying to show that you belong there. That can get tiring very quickly. So the best thing you can do is when you have a question, ask it. And so that's what I started doing with the buyers. You know, I would just go there and say, this is what I have. What can we do to work together? If you tell me, I, we can see what we can do. And, and that's just how it started. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I started pricing things really low, thinking that that's what would help. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that that wasn't helping anybody <laughs> because um, definitely not me because I, I wasn't making anywhere what I needed to be for, you know, the expenses I had. Um, so, yeah, just being confident at that point that you know your product the best. Ask the questions you need to and approach the buyers face to face when you can. I Did you that. just walk in and cold call the buyers or were you able it to? It was. Yeah, that's why I said the fear of rejection. It's something I'm still working on, but yeah. Are you uh, <laughs> are you banned from many stores? <laughs> not not yet. Have you been, uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, not, not yet. Away. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for putting that vibe we will, out we will there. Out, we will out them right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare do it. Yeah, no, no. Everyone, especially the New England area, everyone's been great. I, I can't say um, anything bad. <laughs> They've all been very good. Um, do you do a lot of uh, direct web sales, direct to consumer, or is it yeah. mostly retail and, and the whole wholesale channels? I do have a website, yeah. um, the com. So I do have the website, and I do get sales from there, but um, my wholesale is definitely the bigger part of the business. And um, that's fine with me. In the beginning, that was not sustainable because of the pricing thing that I, I told you about. Um, but once I've adjusted my pricing and everything like that, the wholesale part of it is has definitely taken over um, more of my business. And I'm fine with that because it's more volume. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right, right. right. Trade-off. Yeah. So um, can you tell us a little bit what the schooling project is all about? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so at the same time that I was uh, thinking about starting um, the Orange Owl, um, my friend in India who helped me, who made my, not helped, she designed, <laughs> I should take zero credit for that. <laughs> um, she designed my logo for me. Um, so she was also considering starting up a nonprofit called the Schooling Project. Um, basically, what it does is it helps um, fund the education of underprivileged um, kids in our city where we grew up. And um, so since I was starting um, the Orange Owl, I always knew that I wanted to give back in some way, whether it was where I currently live or where I used to formerly live. Um, I wanted to give back in some way to the community. And so when she started talking to me about this, I thought it would be a great fit. And education, supporting education has been a pretty big thing with my um, family as well. My dad's like helped build parts of schools and things like that from where, where he's from. Um, so that's always been a big part for my family. Um, Not to mention the number of degrees that you have. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, we were you, we spent way too much time in college. I, I know you speak five languages. Yeah. But are there more than five degrees too? What? No. Uh I have two masters and my un, my undergrad, yeah, in three subjects. Yeah. What languages do you speak? 
uh, mostly Indian. Um, yeah. So I speak um, Hindi, which is more prevalent in India. And then when you go to school there, you have to learn the language of the state you're from. I'm from Karnataka, so I speak Kannada. I had to learn it in school reading, writing. Um, and then at home, we speak uh, two languages because my grandmom's from a different place than um, my parents. And so um, those two languages and then English, I, I studied in English, so... Oh my god! <laughs> you know these guests this on the is, show. I, I just feel Dave. like such an underachiever. This, it's terrible. <laughs> I know my uh, with, my with, little girl. It's so funny with She's bad skin. Up now I feel like an underachiever with poor skin. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is like the double whammy, right? <laughs> I know my baby understands all the well three of the languages. Because when we speak to her, she does respond. And it's funny because she speaks to my husband in all three. And He's Greg like, is like, what? <laughs> what is happening at me right now? Don't lose that. That's so awesome. Keep her, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Keep her out of the essence room, right? Yep, yeah. Not yeah. Too many <laughs> yes, around. no, she's not allowed in there often. <laughs> um, so that's, again, that's something that I wanted to chat with you. So last time we we were talking to you, it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. You were not yet a mom. No. So, um, and we have, you know, we just finished our, our mother's room actually in VSET for our, our nursing and pumping mothers. And um, it's a big part of what we're trying to support here. So, um, and our audience is, is very female founder heavy, I think. Yeah. So I'd love to hear just how that transition has been for you from being just, you know, working on you and your businesses and your husband to being a mom. Yeah. Um, well, starting the business, all of that was a very steep learning curve because of no background in it. Um, trying to do that as a mom has been another steep learning curve, and this time with like added uh, aspect of lack of energy. <laughs> and so it's definitely uh, been challenging. There's no sugarcoating that in any way. Um, so it's, it's been challenging, and this is me saying all of this with you know, I, I couldn't ask for more support from my spouse, uh, but I had, so Ava was born and then I injured my shoulder. And so I've had like multiple things going on. Um, so Greg's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting currently in terms of like production, packaging, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been a huge shift in what we're doing, but um, also is giving me time to sort of think about where I want to take the owl from here. Um, you know, if, if I want to continue, I'm going to have to get help because it's um, physically not possible, you know, if you think about physics, to be in two places at the same time. So um, trying to figure that out um, is, is um, uh, on the top of my mind. It's something I've been thinking about. But currently we have it well balanced. Um, so Greg's been helping me out with the production and things like that. I'm still working on, you know, buyer relationships and and all of um, those aspects is the non-production part of it is what I'm handling and he's helping me out with the production handling. Things have slowed down a bit in terms of the number of stores I have. I haven't done, I haven't had a chance to do the shows I used to yeah. um, for trade shows and things like that. And even that took a little while to get okay with it because I was so used to, you know, these are the number of stores I'm in. This is what I have to keep. I have to just add, like, that was my goal. And um, just being okay with realizing that I can't do all of that. And if I need to scale back for a little bit, that's okay. Because scaling up, I've realized is not as bad as I thought it would be because I've done it once. Right. <laughs> so the scaling back was the problem. <laughs> right. It's yeah. like an odd, odd thing to happen once you've sort of moved ahead, trying to come back a little bit just to breathe 
can be daunting. And so that, that took me a long time to figure out. Um, but um, yeah, so right now we are, we are happy with where we are. And uh, we'll think once Ava's going to be starting um, daycare and stuff soon. And that time I'll have more time to sort of figure out exactly where I want this to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a hard, hard transition. To oh, make. it is. And, yeah. you know, I think that's the only way to sort of maintain the quality of your product yeah. and yeah. brand and the yeah. relationships that you've built. Yeah. And, um, well, certainly let us know if we can be a resource for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. So... Um, What's the best product that you're known for or you think you make? And, and um, do you have any other ones coming out that you can talk about? Well, um, new products, currently there aren't any just because I haven't been able to really um, pay as much attention to it as I've wanted to. I have a few in my mind that I want to do. I just haven't been able to um, get that going um, for recipes. Ava's the new product, right? Ava's the new Ooh. product. Oh, my God. Um, she right. smells good most of the time. <laughs> right. well, well, now there can be a, a baby line. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I use all my products. Oh, baby her. owl. Boom. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the I think my best-selling product, uh, hands down, are my body butters. Um, there's I haven't come across another product like it on the shelves. Um, I've had multiple salespeople, brokers, distributors, all of them look at the products and tell me that there's nothing like my body butter on the shelves. Uh, but they are... Um, pretty effort heavy when it comes to making it and also shipping because um, I don't use anything to keep them heat stable like any preservative in there right. so when they're Can't shipping I just I yeah. have to make sure um, they're shipped the fastest way possible and so um, even though they are my best-selling product sometimes it's difficult to convince distributors and um, sales you know like brokers and stuff um, to give it a chance just because of where they have to store it how they have to store it you know right you yeah. don't want to have to have that like caveat of yeah. like but just so you know, yeah. like that doesn't really help don't, the sales yeah, process. Exactly. Like, don't leave it in your warehouse. <laughs> yeah. If it gets above 80 degrees. Yeah, yeah it's right. it's a bar thing of oil. So <laughs> it all, because I whip it and it just, mm. it's like leaving frosting out. You know, it just like sinks. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got that the wounded sense. shoulder now too, right? Yeah. Is you can't be doing all this. Yeah. Um, do you have a facility or using your home or your office? No, or? I have an office um, in uh, Essex Junction, both of our, our clinic and that we've kept in Essex, uh, even though we moved recently to Jericho. Um, but yeah, we, I have an office in Essex. I don't have a store with it, um, but I do have an office where nice. I make everything. Good stuff. People tell me the building smells really nice. <laughs> But again, you can't smell it anymore. I yeah, can't. Yeah. yeah, I know. The minute I start a show and I'm standing in my booth, 10 minutes later, I have no clue what the place smells like. And people come in, they're like, oh, this smells so nice. I'm like, awesome. Uh, I'm glad, glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad it's still working. And have any, I know, you know, you said, talked about how supportive the community has been for you. Were any business resources in the state particularly helpful for you? Or is it more like your network? And I think it's been more the network. And it isn't because... Um, anyone has said no or not been um, helpful, I haven't reached out. Um, and I think, there, again, there, there has been some amount of um, fear coming, doing all of this not on the traditional 
um, not in the traditional way where, you know, like I never sat down and wrote down a full business plan or, you know, anything like that. I had help from my family for the starting funds for it. Um, and so those were people I could just talk to and get information, get advice or give information to. So there was nothing written down. So, you know, I was always nervous about reaching out because I was worried people would just laugh at me and go like, and you're doing what now? And <laughs> so I just I just never did that. And so that that's totally on me. It's not on anybody else. Uh, but then once I found something that worked, I kind of didn't want to rock the boat too much. And so I just kept it going. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when you're in the middle of a transition like I am right now, maybe it is some time to sort of get some advice and things like that. So we'll we'll see where that goes. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like like you could use some some reinforcements. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's a you know, that's, I think, a good lesson for entrepreneurs, too, is sometimes you just have to, like, do what you know and yeah. use the people around you that, yeah. you know, care about you and yeah. just sort of jump in and. Yeah. Um, you know, I think particularly with a product that you have to touch and feel and smell, yeah. like it really, you just, you have no choice but to just jump in and make it, right? Yeah, and yeah, see and see, see what happens. Yeah, and, you know, have people test it and see what uh, what happens. Yeah. Do you have a, a big vision for the company or is it? Do you want to employ tons and tons of people? <laughs> no, that, that I, I never I never started it thinking I wanted it to be that big. That would be nice. If somebody could come in and make that happen for me, please <laughs> go ahead. But um, that wasn't my uh, vision for it at all. Um, I wasn't thinking about it that way. I was some. It was something I wanted, you know, if I can stay within the New England area, it's a brand that people recognize there and talk about and, you know, recommend. Like, that, that was my idea. I tried... Um, going to the bigger shows I tried doing all of that um, and again maybe I didn't approach it um, as well as I could have if I had um, more um, sort of steady and um, more traditional sort of an idea of what I wanted to do with it but I've, I've always wanted to keep it small and more um, attached and giving to the community, like keeping it. Well, smaller. and that's really important to know because both Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop and uh, Jessica Alba, they listen to this podcast regularly. So <laughs> I, I would encourage them not to put in a large order quite yet. Or, or maybe. Or, yeah, just, you know, help me get through the next couple of years while go. Ava is figuring things out. Sure, keep okay, going. Just, We're just. going to get an angry phone call from you in a few weeks. You're going to be like, you guys have to come and help make yeah. this now because... Gwyneth is all over Gwyneth my ass. Me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a statement, I words I never thought I'd be putting together in a yeah. sentence. <laughs> just one of the many... Uh, yeah, but, you know, it is important. That's a good question to ask because... I think as much as you want to know what you don't want your business to be like, you should know what you want your business to be like. Those are, you know, it seems like one would make the other one obvious, but that doesn't always uh, happen. So you need to think about both. And is there anything looking back that you would have done differently? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I there was just there was so many trial and error things. And, you know, I, I, I do wish I'd done it a bit more formally. Mm. Um, like if I, and I guess this is the reason I don't mind scaling back right now, because I do feel like if knowing all the things I know now, if I have to start, you know, get going again, I feel like I can do it more confidently than I was at that time. Um, so I, I, you know, having all of this information would have been great. So in hindsight, yeah, there would have been a lot of things I would have done differently, the pricing, the packaging, the just, you know, 
a lot of different things that made it um, more cumbersome to make and sort of put out there. I would have simplified that process a bit more, even though, you know, like my lab background, all of that came very handy in coming up with the recipes and learning how to scale things. Because um, when you're in the lab, you work with one sample or you work with, I used to work with, you know, 90 something samples and you have to know, come up with a procedure where you can do one or you can do those many. And that's exactly what I followed here. And mm. so it did help, but I do think that I would have done a few things differently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, right? yeah, I absolutely. Mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally, right? <laughs> um, what's it like working with your husband as a, as a <laughs> I couple? Do, yeah, I, I mean, do get asked this often, and it's funny. When I wanted to start, I remember family members telling me, like, don't, 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 don't do this. <laughs> like, you don't want to be working with your husband. You need breaks from each other and, you know, things like that. But I, I can't complain. Um, I met him, we worked in the lab together, we had all our projects together and everything, you know, through grad school, and um, we got both of our masters in nutrition together, he did it while he was in chiropractic school, and so, it, yeah, we've had a lot of time working with each other through really crazy circumstances, um, and so I figured that, you know, if we could do all of that, we'll be fine with in the clinic or with the owl, and it's been that way, um, and I think this was a question someone had asked me at the um, female founder um, series as well was, you know, what do you do? We just stick in our lanes. He, he, I know where, what his part to do is, and he knows what my part is, and we don't go um, in, into each other's lanes ever. And, and that just keeps it. And, and that isn't like, a, if that happens, oh my God, all hell will break loose. It isn't like that at all. It's just easier. Um, and so that's what we do. Yeah. And it helps that you work together first, right? Yeah, yeah. We've had that always that we've, you know, worked well together. I always say we make a good team, whether it's been personally or professionally. We make a good team either or raising way. a human, you know. Yeah, like raising that. a human. Oh, my God. Yeah, definitely. I always tell him between the two of us, if there's one parent, that's good. Like, even if it's half and half at any given point of time, we're fine. Do you find yourself thinking of, of baby products that you wish I were use, invented? like I use all my products on her. Um, the body butter especially. I don't use any diaper cream or whatever. That's all yeah. I use. And it works great. A lot of my customers had told me that they used to use my um, products on their babies. And so when... You're like, I good knew, to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, a lot of these things aren't um, anything that I can advertise or claim just because that changes how I market it yep. or what I put on the my, rules. you know, yeah, regulations and things like that. So a lot of these things I cannot claim. I know that they're perfectly fine for babies. Um, and so, yeah, I use my lip balm on her when she has rashes. I use my body butter on her and, and it goes away. So I've, we've had very few rash issues because I think it's because of, you know, I use this and it goes away quickly. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, soap too. So yeah, I, I use all of it on her. Wow. Yeah. Dave, is it time? It is. This goes by very quickly. It does. Yeah. Right? This is really yeah. nice. And we're yeah. trying to we're trying to podcast. Really yeah. respect. I mean, you probably only have like thirty five minutes. You can be away. Yeah. No. You know, today I had scheduled. more. Today I had more. I even had I. Uh, uh, fit in a massage today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why you're throwing out such chill vibes. Yeah. Seriously, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, we're looking. Maybe we should get a massage, a masseuse member, right? Taylor's down with that. Yeah. There's no college discounts. They do discounts. that, like, yeah. 20, you know, like 20 minute chair massages. That's a thing. Yeah. Like yeah. at airports. That's a thing at airports. No, I think, yeah. like, Dealer does that for sure. They do have, they? yeah. 
I say do it. See? Do, do you think yeah. Dealer still does it? For sure. Yeah. Do you need a nutritionist for anything? <laughs> In all well, my well, we have a healthy vending machine. That, oh, good. That's, that's our pseudo yeah, I nutritionist. Think yeah. I think you'd be happy to, with our vending machine. It's uh, it's pretty healthy. Vitality vending takes care of us. Oh, good. Little plug there for Brent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yesterday there were corn chips and uh, um, little dips were great. Nice. Keeps it going. Yeah. yeah All totally. right. We have to ask a really important question now. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets asked this. Magic wand time. Okay. If there were one thing about Vermont that you could change, what would it be? Oh my God. So I've come from, um, I come from one of the biggest cities in, in India, right? And so moving to Maine rather than upstate New York and Vermont, it's been interesting. Uh, if there was one thing I could change, it, it would probably be um, crowd-related stuff, just to have like more people, like things for people to do, maybe. Um, yeah, that, that's probably what, what I would do. You're telling us that you're bored. Um, no, I'm the I'm farthest from bored. Sugaring doesn't do it for you. Hey, we did go for one of those things, like the sugar open house things. That was really nice. Ava thought that was very very fun. There you go. Um, but yeah, that, that that's what I miss is you know just the crowds sometimes. Crowds. But my my husband does not. It's so funny. We'll be in like Essex and he's like, oh my god, rush hour traffic. And you're like, are you kidding me? Is this a <laughs> joke? Like five vehicles yeah. there. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Your perspective changes. I'm the same way. I'm like, what is the traffic? There's five cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been a real treat for us and one to see you again. And, yeah. And congrats thank on you. your business and your family and oh, for taking you. the time out here to chat with Sam and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. We're so glad you came came to visit today. Thank you. I, I had fun. I was nervous, I'll, I'll admit, but this went off really well. Yeah. You, you kidding me? You're we'll, bro. We'll mess with it in post-production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to read this. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. The series has been made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Consolidated Communications. Follow us on Twitter at VSET. That's V-C-E-T. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to work.